Hi, this is Pastor Emily McGinley from Urban Village Church, Hyde Park, Woodlawn. If you've been to UVC, you'll know that we seek to be three things, bold, inclusive, and relevant. We know that there are countless folks across the country and out there in podcast land like yourself, seeking a message that will bring insight, hope, encouragement, and joy as we do this thing called faith. Please consider making a financial gift to help us with this work of inspiring, equipping, and sending out agents of gospel life and inclusive love. Just go to www.urbanvillagechurch.org forward slash give. Thanks for listening, and God bless. Our passage this morning comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 27. Listen for what God is saying to you this morning. Christ is just like the human body. A body is a unit and has many parts. And all the parts of the body are one body, even though there are many. We were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jew or Greek or slave or free. We're all given one spirit to drink. Certainly the body isn't one part, but many. If the foot says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not a hand, does that mean it's not part of the body? If the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, does that mean it's not part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, what would happen to the hearing? If the whole body were an ear, what would happen to the sense of smell? But as it is, God has placed each one of the parts in the body just like he wanted. If all were one and the same body part, what would happen to the body? But as it is, there are many parts but one body. So the eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. Or in turn, the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. Instead, the parts of the body that people think are the weakest are actually the most necessary. The parts of the body that we think are less honorable are the ones we honor the most. The private parts of our body that aren't presentable are the ones that are given the most dignity. The parts of our body that aren't presentable that are presentable don't need this. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the part with less honor so that there won't be division in the body and so that the parts might have mutual concern for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. If one part gets the glory, all the parts get the glory. Celebrate with it. You are the body of Christ and parts of each other. May God add a blessing to the reading and understanding of the scripture this morning. So many of you know that um, I was gone this past week, nine days, uh, to Maui for our annual family vacation. Uh, and so, you know, when I left sunny weather and <laughs> ocean and palm trees and fresh fruit, and arrived at O'Hare yesterday, I was feeling a little bit sad about that. Um, And so I won't necessarily say that I'm glad to be back, but I will say I'm glad to see you all. Let's uh, come together in a word of prayer. God, thank you so much for the gift that it is to be away and the gift that it is to come back and reunite and um, have have our cups filled um, in, in, in new ways. Um, we thank you for, uh, even if it doesn't seem like the sun is shining outside, that, the, that your sun is shining here inside. And so we ask that you would open our hearts and our minds to receive what it is that your sun, what you, what your spirit um, has to say for us today. Um, and may we leave this place with our cups filled in a new way. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So last August, um, I noticed something weird going on in my right ear. It was starting to feel plugged all the time. And at first I thought maybe it was because I had been flying, and I thought, well, maybe it just hadn't like adjusted to the air pressure or whatever. Um, but then I noticed it again in September, um, and then again in October. And over the course of time, Rich was getting more and more annoyed with me because he'd say something to me, and I'd be like, eh, what'd you say? Stop mumbling, you know? Um, so by December, it was very clear that something was wrong. Um, I had tried yawning, Q-tips, earwax removal kit, nothing was working or changing. And so once January rolled around, um, insurance, uh, it was clear that I needed to see an ear, nose, and throat doctor. So I made my appointment, and as it turns out, I have won the genetic lottery, um, and I'm steadily losing my hearing in my right ear, um, which would actually be a major bummer if I lived in another time, but science is amazing. So come, take a trip with me on the magic school bus into the human ear. There are three uh, inner ear bones, the malleus, which is closest to the opening of your ear, the incus, which is uh, the next one, and then the stapes, which is the furthest inside. So you might already know this, but I didn't. So um, I actually had no idea how anything worked in your ear. And um, the way you hear sound is that vibrations um, enter your ear, and these three bones you know, start going boopity boopity boop, um, and they vibrate, which creates electrical signals um, to your brain, and then those things get experienced as sound. Isn't that amazing? Um, and so my situation is that one of the bones, the, the stapes actually, um, is growing a little bit. And because it's running out of room, it's less and less able to vibrate, which means I can hear less and less sound. Unfortunately, because science is amazing, and we live at this point of technological advancement, in June I'll have a surgery to replace the stapes with a prosthetic bone. This bone is three millimeters, roughly, by two and a half millimeters. And as it turns out, it's the smallest bone in your body. Um, so uh, six months ago, I pretty much had no idea how my ears worked. Um, and now uh, I can explain it to you with this diagram here. Um, and I had never heard of the stapes, and um, I'm amazed, right, how the ear works, that there is a prosthesis for this tiny bone, um, and that this surgery takes less than an hour to complete. Each of you are hearing me speak uh, because your little ear bones are tippity-tapping away to create sound in your brains. And it's not even taking into account how I create sound with my vocal cords, right? And how I, those sounds then take shape in my mouth, right? When you jump into the rabbit hole of how your body works, it's incredible. So as I meditated on our passage for this morning, right, I have this whole other kind of like different dimension of appreciation about the concept of the body of Christ, don't you? I mean, here Paul is talking about hands and feet and eyes and all that, but what about the stapes? right? What about nose hairs and nail beds, right? He didn't talk about those. But first, let me back up um, and give you a big bit of a fuller picture about what's going on in this passage. So here, the Church of Corinth, this is uh, Paul's first letter to the Church of Corinth, which is why it's called 1 Corinthians, just let you guys know that. Um, so the Church of Corinth is one of the faith communities that Paul helped to plant back in the day when he was rolling with Barnabas. Remember, I talked about that a couple weeks ago. Um, he likes to check in on his people from time to time, and somehow he's gotten these reports, right, that something like messed up is happening um, in the church, mainly that it's culture creeping into community in a bad way. So this shows up in some way um, in almost all of his letters to the various churches, uh, but basically it's two issues. 
The first is this kind of high level of individualism and a lack of interconnectedness. Um, and the second is a strong class system where the people on top are unapologetically on top. And so to try to help folks understand Mobetta, what Christian community is about, Paul remixes this commonly used concept. Politicians and philosophers in Roman society use the image of the body to talk about community, but in a really different way, right? So uh, in a different way than Jesus did. So um, for Romans, it was used to essentially preserve and perpetuate social hierarchies, whether it was family, the city, or the empire as a whole. The point was that Everybody needs a head, right? And in society, that was provided by the wealthy, the rulers, and the elite. And everybody needs hands and feet to do the dirty work, which was provided by society, but just by everyone else, right? And so if you happen to be, hand, be the hands and feet, you know, too bad, so sad for you. Well, instead of turning the body metaphor on its head, <laughs> um, what Paul does is lay the body down. Yes, the brain is important, he says. But it don't mean much if you ain't got no hands to do what your brain wants to do, right? And likewise, the legs are important, but uh, it's not so much good if you don't have any feet to get you moving. And I know I'm kind of starting to get into like sticky territory um, because it could seem like I'm not considering our physically disabled brothers and sisters, so I'll just get to the point. We need each other, bottom line. Even if we don't think we need each other or want to need each other, which is probably more often the case, we still need each other. And Paul's trying to replace their thinking with a whole new paradigm, right, of connectedness. That teeny tiny smallest bone in your inner ear matters just as much as your big toe or your eyelid. Another way to think about it is that everyone is important, but no one is more important than anyone else. Everyone gets a trophy, but your trophy is not more important than anyone else's trophy, okay? Everyone has something that they bring to the table, and it matters. We see that and recognize that every time someone shares testimony. I mean, each of those people that Amanda listed out, each of those people were important to her journey in one way or another, right? Um, every time someone sets up the communion stations or greets you at the door or makes a meal to share after worship. And it's in the little things that maybe no, no one notices really, like how um, two of our pop-up signs, actually, this one, or not this one, but a couple of um, pop-up signs were out of commission for almost a year because of a stupid little plastic hook that snapped off. And Jeff Myers figured out a way to fix it with some 10-cent S-hooks and saved us like hundreds of dollars for having to buy new signs. Or how Stephen Joseph's suggestion of a Super Soul Sunday, which we do whenever we have all the musicians available, brings our musical worship to a whole new level, right? And so many other things, little phone calls or texts from one person to another saying, I haven't seen you for a while. I missed you. I'm thinking about you. How's that thing going, right? A class on faithful, thoughtful money management led by Sharice. The gifts, the body parts, take as many different forms and as different shapes as there are people um, that, that God has um, and ever, that God has created or and will ever create in the future, right? So what do you bring to community? What gifts have been called out um, of you that you recognize, either by someone else or that you kind of noticed over time, right? If that feels like too big of a question, another way to think about it is this. What body part are you? What part of the body are you? So I'm going to give you um, a couple of minutes to think about this. Um, and you can choose whichever um, question is kind of most is most helpful to you. And then I want you to turn to someone, um, preferably that you don't know or, or haven't really had much conversation with, um, and answer it.
to the best of your ability. So I'll give you a couple minutes, a few minutes, um, think about it, have a conversation, it doesn't have to be that deep, um, and go. Okay, so um, I know I'm like cutting the conversation short, um, but it's always better to leave you wanting than to be sitting and then having to make more st small talk, amen? Uh, so uh, yeah, so what were maybe one or two people of, uh, or three people, uh, what was one thing that your partner said to you that, um, that you maybe want to share, a gift or something? Say it again. Willing to serve. Willingness to serve. Someone's the funny bone. Someone's the funny bone. We like the funny bone, don't we? <laughs> Mrs. Smith is also a mouse, so she's a mouse and. Oh, two mouths. Yeah. Good. Lots of talking going on. <laughs> so I guess what, we would have to be two different lifts, right? Two lifts, yeah. <laughs> there's, there's lots of opportunities, right? Lots of opportunities. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's great. I mean, I hope that, that was, this is an opportunity for you to kind of at least appreciate yourself, but also appreciate someone else, right, and what they bring to the table. And it sounds really cool, right, this idea that we all matter, that we're all important, that we all have something to add, right? That, that's a nice feeling. Um, and, it, and it's true, right? It, it is a cool idea. But it can also be really hard, right? Uh, Amanda said a few times, it can get messy, right, in her own testimony, um, when we open ourselves to relationship and being in community. Um, but because sometimes, you know, sometimes it means that you have to step aside and make room for other people's spiritual gifts or, or what they bring to the table that maybe you don't think are that important or are, like, legit, right? Um, but, so, but creating enough kind of spaciousness to say you still matter um, in this, you ma your, your presence at the table matters, right? Sometimes it means wrapping, like, propaganda. I know all lives matter, but I'm focused on yours now, right? And I'm just going to take a beat right here to make something that is very important very clear. It can be easy, and I'm sure it's already been done, to use a passage like the one we're talking about today as justification for ignoring or dismissing the Black Lives Matter movement. But Paul isn't about that kind of basic intellect. 
He states very clearly in verses 21 to 23, the eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you, or in turn, the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. Instead, the parts of the body uh, that people think are the weakest are the most necessary. The parts of the body that we think are less honorable are the ones we honor most. The private parts of our body that aren't presentable are the ones that are given the most dignity. In other words, when Paul says something like, the parts that we think are less honorable are the ones we honor the most, or the unpresentable ones are given the most dignity, he's saying that people like the Black Lives Matter doubters and haters, that sometimes we need to make, that he's saying to them that we need to make a right, make right a very deep wrong. Does that make sense? Did I say that right? I tripped over my words. For example, when we say Black Lives Matter, we are not saying that other lives matter less, but rather we are bringing up the bottom, right? So that everyone can stand on the same grounds of dignity. When we have a pride parade, liquor floats aside, when we talk about celebrating pride, right, it's because of a deep and personally violent shame that our LGBTQ brothers and sisters have had to endure. Okay, we're bringing up the bottom so that everyone can stand on the same ground. We lift up with the necessity of our weakest parts. We honor the least honored. We dignify what has been marginalized as least presentable. We lay the body down just as Jesus laid down his body. Sometimes it means reaching out and inviting and engaging and reaching out and inviting and engaging and reaching out to connect with new people, delinquent people, hard-to-love people, over and over again because their presence makes a difference. Even if you make a connection only one out of ten times. We have hundreds of people who have literally come through Sunday morning that have not come back or have not come back for a couple of years or have then just gone on to listen to podcasts and then email me later on. <laughs> we have had hundreds of people pass through here, and many of them don't come back. Sometimes they're just visiting, sometimes it's just a bad fit, right? But I suspect that pretty often it's because they've never sat at a table quite as big as ours, and have tasted quite as many dishes as that are, have been brought to the meal. And while they may have never had so much to eat before, as Paul says, we are all drinking from the common cup of the Spirit all baptized by the same spirit. So like I said earlier, beginning next week, we'll start our Church Without Walls sermon series about getting in formation. <laughs> this series will be so important, right? Not just because it's about this commitment that we're trying to live out around anti-racism and building beloved community. Not just that, but because it's about how we can sit at such a big table, right? And love each other and struggle together to understand, to work it out and then to begin to sketch out a new vision of what the body of Christ can look like in this day and age, from the smallest earbone to the biggest badunkadunk. <laughs> Let's make room for each other. <laughs> Who's the funny bone? <laughs> Let's make room for each other, right? And that also means making room for ourselves. Let's recognize what we bring and celebrate what happens when we bring ourselves to this Christ-bound spiritual potluck of community, right? This week, next week, and every week, come hungry, come thirsty, come with your covered dish of spiritual gifts, and let's enjoy the feast of what happens when we come together. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the spiritual potluck of coming, what it means to come together as community, to struggle together, to love each other, to vision, envision and enact your vision 
of what wholeness of life can look like, not just for us, but for this city and for this country and for this world. Help us to have the courage to stick it out through the mess so that we can see just how good and it can taste when we come in touch with your kingdom. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.